PM board bombs. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussein and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast where board studying is now super enjoyable, holiday appropriate, and fun for the whole family. My name is Blake Briggs, comma, MD, and I'm joined today by Iltafat Hussein, comma, MD. What's up? <laughs> That's all you got? That's all I got. Okay. For each 10 to 15 minute episode, you gain high yield board knowledge, and we mean high yield, holiday high yield. As we like to say, come for the stems, stay for the content. Please sign up on our website for free updates and episodes, printed handouts, free review quizzes to test your knowledge on topics. You can go to our website at emboardbombs.com. That is emboardbombs.com. You should sign up right now. Um, this makes a great holiday gift. You should sign up your friends without them knowing. Um, you can also find us on Twitter. Our handle is at emboardbombs. And really just, you know, you should go behind your friends back, take their emails and sign them up and they'll be thankful for it later, even if they're not even doing emergency medicine. I would say dermatologists have a lot to gain from this podcast as well. <laughs> the more you know, the more you know. That's funny. You know, I see people right now just by their fires, sitting in the family room, sipping their hot cocoa. They have their family members around. They've got their radio and somehow are playing EM board bombs through it and listening to us. And that's how we're going to start our STEM. (laughs) A 35-year-old factory worker is working overtime due to the holiday season, Black Friday online sales, Cyber Monday online deals, and name any other taglines for days to get consumers to spend more. He's working at a certain corporation's fulfillment center. (laughs) Said fulfillment center corporation is using robots alongside him, which they hope will eventually replace our earnest worker and, unfortunately, our future patient. Hmm. Unfortunately, one of these robots was manufactured in a country known to have lax regulatory standards (laughs) and starts a fire at the warehouse. Our 35-year-old factory worker, who's able to escape, and remember he's very earnest, presents to your ER in the following way. Talking without issues, tachycardic, normal O2 sats, but does have a headache, he's confused, and he does vomit. Which of the following is true? And before we go into it, hashtag woke, hashtag fair prices and always the cheapest price, hashtag remember where your products are made from and where you're shopping from this holiday season, hashtag made in the USA. A, skin discoloration would be a common finding on this patient. B, sodium nitrate should be avoided in this patient. C, you expect to see a rightward shift of hemoglobin dissociation curve. D, expect pulse oximetry to change with levels of carboxyhemoglobin. E, hyperbaric oxygen is indicated in this patient. Dr. Briggs, what's the correct answer? I'm still recovering from your hashtags. (laughs) I just, you know, PSA, public service announcement. (laughs) Hashtag, we always give the correct answer. (laughs) Hashtag, come for the stems. Correct answer here is going to be B. Sodium nitrate should be avoided in this patient because sodium is bad for you, but nitrate's worse. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about today, Dr. Hussain? We are talking <laughs> about a couple of different things. What's the difference between carbon monoxide and cyanide? Yeah. Yeah. 
So smoke inhalation is the most common cause of death and fire-related fatalities in the United States. Um, it probably is in the world, too. We just don't have that data. Um, fires in enclosed spaces, obviously, are the number one risk factor. So having, you know, being involved in a motor vehicle crash and you're in a car, if you're extricated, you know, very fast and the car is burning, probably not exposed. Um, but in a, you know, burning building where it's tough to get out, especially high-rise buildings, uh, low-income housing, unfortunately, that's going to be a much uh, bigger risk factor. The suicide aspect we're not going to talk about today. It's much less common, and pretty much the workup is the same. The presentation's different, right? It's going to be more of an ingestion. And then carbon dioxide obviously would be purposeful from uh, exhaust, car, uh, combustion vehicle. We're not going to talk about that today, though. So carbon dioxide and cyanide poisoning are both highly underreported in this country. Um, in fact, they did one study, and they showed like 35% of fire victims have detectable significant levels of cyanide. <laughs> Yeah. And no one talks about this. The amount of no. burn patients that come into no our one. <laughs> level one trauma center, no one ever talks about, hey, do you think it could be cyanide? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, thousands of deaths happen per year. Thousands of deaths. So both carbon monoxide and cyanide are odorless, tasteless gas. Remember that carbon monoxide comes from hydrocarbon combustion and that cyanide comes from polyurethane. You don't have to know that word at all. Just know that polyurethanes are basically like a crap ton of like plasticky stuff i literally right. think of ikea furniture yes. it's great it looks great in your room it looks fantastic it's a pain to build though um hey, I, it lasts forever okay. yeah I, it lasts forever they're good products uh we are not sponsored by ikea by the way no we're not and we were actually not referring to them in our questions to them either no we're not I. no no ikea is great i need to start a business you can get in on this with me um where we go to where it's like uber eats but we go to people's houses and build their ikea furniture that's already a business, my friend. No, it's not. Yes, it is. People do that. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. But it's not formal. No one, no one runs the company. <laughs> is there a central distribution area? Oh, I'm sure is there, there is. Is there an app on your phone? I'm sure there is. No, it's I'm not. I'm sure there is. I want you to look it up right now. I'm going to keep talking. So carbon monoxide, <laughs> carbon, carbon, monoxide, <laughs> carbon monoxide enters the lung, and it has like this 300 times binding affinity for hemoglobin. Everybody knows this. Right. This was what you learned in med school, right? The S-curve? Uh, yeah, sigmoidal was actually the correct term. I like to refer to it as the S-curve. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so there's a leftward shift that happens. Um, and this happens because carbon dioxide obviously has a higher affinity to um, hemoglobin than oxygen does. So tissues don't get aerobic respiration, then you get high lactate and endorgan ischemia. Cyanide, however, does something different. Cyanide goes to block the um, electron transport chain. Dr. Hussain's about to go over all the uh, electron transport centers in the electron transport chain. Go ahead. I'm ready for you. Yeah. So let's start um, with what happens with oxygen as it's moving through in the ATP. So you're going to lose some ATP. <laughs> I, I have no idea what I'm talking about. It's going to move on. We're just kidding. We're not going to cover the uh, electron transport centers. I've, in fact, I, I was fearful that if we said that, people would just turn off the radios right away. They might have already done that. So symptoms of carbon dioxide and cyanide is variable and nonspecific. None of this is going to help you other than just fit a question stem with an exposure history. They're going to have to put an exposure history in the question, though, because all these symptoms are basically useless alone. Um, right. So let's read these symptoms. They could be anything. May include the following in no particular order. Headaches, nausea, dizziness, confusion, dysrhythmias, abdominal pain, <laughs> dyspnea, and palpitations. And look, I don't think they're going to do the cherry red lips thing. It's not very common. No, it's not. And honestly, that's seen oftentimes on autopsy. Um, it's more common in cyanide poisoning, though. But again, that's not going to be a big focus of it. Severe signs that you should be thinking about are 
seizures, syncope, coma, MI, arrhythmia, PE, lactic acidosis, more end organ type of stuff. Yeah. Would you call that demand ischemia, though? Oh. <laughs> Just let that troponin ride. Let that troponin ride. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Diagnosis for both carbon monoxide and cyanide poisoning is very difficult. It shouldn't be difficult, though, because you shouldn't be trying to diagnose these patients. You just need to actively prophylactically treat them. So carbon monoxide is diagnosed via carboxyhemoglobin levels, but you have to correlate that with this clinical picture. And how are you getting those carboxyhemoglobin levels? You can get it through an ABG. Exactly. So pulse ox is not going to be very reliable. Um, Dr. saying really important board question. Do you prefer your pulse ox symmetry on the earlobe or the uh, middle finger, or the index finger, or the pinky finger? What would you like? Or the forehead? Uh, you're forgetting the forehead. <laughs> yeah, <I'm sorry. laughs> the dreaded forehead. <laughs> like, oh, great. This thing lathered on. Um, pulse ox is so, so, so reliable in these cases. <laughs> I say that with sarcasm dripping. It's not reliable at all. It's going to be overestimating your oxygen levels. Most pulse readers, you have to remember, they're not going to be differentiating between oxyhemoglobin and carboxyhemoglobin. Hmm. And on the ABG, what you would see is normal PaO2 levels, which is really fascinating. And that's because the body has no problem putting oxygen in the blood. The problem is the oxygen is not binding to hemoglobin. Remember that S curve. That's right. Sigmoidal curve. Let's be formal here. <laughs> this, is a, this is a high order intellectual podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So in carbon monoxide poisoning, you're obviously going to have an elevated anion gap, metabolic acidosis, and you're going to have high lactate levels. Really, cyanide and carbon monoxide both drive lactate like greater than 8 or 10. In cyanide poisoning, let's talk about that diagnosis, which is even harder. Your ABG and VBGs aren't really going to help you. If you get a VBG, though, you're going to have a very high oxygen content in the venous side, which makes sense. Because the oxygen is not offloading in tissues, it's going straight through to the venous side. You're going to have lactates greater than 10 as well. The bottom line here for cyanide poisoning is if you have anyone with ultramental status, respiratory symptoms, and a suspicious history, aka fire exposure, that is cyanide poisoning until proven otherwise. Right, and fire exposure in particular at a place that would make them more susceptible to plastics and other types of things. They're going to mention the factory thing. So remember that historical context is going to be key and you really should pick up on that. Uh, and then I suspect they'll also throw in a super high lactic acid. Um, a high lactic acid, you're looking at levels, again, greater than 810, are have greater than 90% sensitivity uh, when it comes to cyanide poisoning. Absolutely. You know, one thing that I want to make a point of is that on the boards, I think this is the type of question they're going to ask. The one question is, they're only going to talk about one of these, cyanide or carbon monoxide, and just ask you, what's the treatment or how do you handle this? So they're never going to ask you a question making you choose between treating one or the other, because they both present so commonly together, it would be completely right. wrong to to try to test someone saying, you got to pick one though. That's not fair. These patients right. usually have both, right? We just said. And so right. they're going to ask you a question basically saying contraindications and indications to each therapy, like we asked today. This is the perfect kind of setup for how they're going to ask you on the board. And we'll get, go into our answer choice in a second here. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, quick uh, second break though. Hey, Iltifat, what was your best Christmas present you ever got when you grew up? Uh, kind of awkward, Dr. Briggs. I uh, do not celebrate Christmas growing up. Oh, shoot. <laughs> All right, moving on. Me. Shaking my head. 
<laughs> shaking my head. You didn't ask me, though. That's not very woke of you, either. No, I was just surprised that you were so unwoke, but that's fine. That's all right. Well, it's a chance for you to be woke back, reciprocal wokeness. <laughs> okay, reciprocal. Okay, hey, so what did you um, potentially celebrate during the holiday season? <laughs> and if you didn't celebrate, it's totally cool. <laughs> totally cool. <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. No judgment at all. All right, oh. so let's talk carbon monoxide and uh, cyanide poisoning. Like every tox case, especially these two, you're going to remove all patients' clothes. You're going to decontaminate them. Before you do that, you want to handle the patient's ABCs, of course. Uh, if they need to be intubated, you do that right away, and then you're going to decon them immediately. Um, and then you're going to talk about antidote issues. So for carbon monoxide, the treatment is high-flow oxygen via non-rebreather mask until they're asymptomatic. Basically, you just have to flood their lungs with oxygen until it outcompetes carbon monoxide and you breathe it off. Um, when does hyperbaric come into play here, Dr. Yeah, Sam? there are a couple of key things that you have to remember with hyperbaric. As we all know, that's kind of the end um, answer here. When you have carboxyhemoglobin levels that are greater than 25%, again, this is what you're getting off of your ABG. But the key here is it's greater than 15% if pregnant or a child. So you, ha- you just have to remember this. So it's mm-hmm. carboxyhemoglobin level greater than 25%, but the threshold is lower, so it's greater than 15% if pregnant or child. 25% or 15%. Remember those two numbers. The other indication for hyperbaric is any loss of consciousness. So even if there's suspicion for loss of consciousness, again, you're looking at kind of end organ type stuff here, neurological side. pH less than 7.1. And then lastly, like what we've kind of talked about, end organ damage and in this case, neurodeficits. So even if you're just altered, any EKG, ischemic EKG changes or new arrhythmias, that's where they could potentially get you on the boards. And this is really important to know. So out of all the things we've kind of said, you just have to remember these numbers, 25%, the 15%, the 7.1 pH, and then knowing the EKG ischemic changes or arrhythmias. A key point that I want to emphasize here to folks in real-life practice is you have to remember if you do want to transfer this patient, it might not necessarily be your large trauma referral center or your large academic center nearby. They might not have a hyperbaric chamber. So you need to be careful with these folks when you call for transfer to make sure that they do have hyperbaric um, center ready and capable to handle your patient. That would be awkward. That would. Yeah, I'm trying to wonder how that could like be phrased wrong. What if you're like on the phone and you're saying like, I need a hyperbaric chamber, and then they say back, oh, um, doctor is asking for a bariatric chamber. <laughs> we have plenty uh, of those. <laughs> I know, right? All right, so half-life of carboxyhemoglobin at room air is five hours. That's pretty bad. Patient will probably be dead before that. Yeah. 90 minutes via 100% oxygen on a face mask. And then hyperbaric is 30 minutes. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, for sure. So remember those numbers. That's really an important part of this. Those numbers are tested. Right, right. And why, like, what is the main purpose of that, though? You know, the time. Why is that so important? So what are we really trying to prevent here? That's a great question, Dr. Usain. The most important purpose of this is to prevent delayed neurologic sequelae. Critical. Critical. So the whole point is that carbon monoxide uh, has been shown up in like up to like forty percent of patients within months of carbon monoxide exposure. We don't really know why this happens, but just know it for the boards that it does. Carbon monoxide can cause uh, lasting cognitive deficits, personality issues, movement disorders, uh, vocal deficits, uh, like a stroke. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, and basically, this whole hyperbaric oxygen uh, 
treatment and then just high flow oxygen has been shown to flush out carbon monoxide faster and reduce basically the ischemia that's left over from carbon monoxide and prevent delayed neurologic sequelae. So it's not so much you're saving their life right then. It's more so we're trying to stop this horrible stroke, stroke-like deficits from later on. Exactly. And then remember in the pediatric patient, the pregnant patient population, your threshold is lower because we know that carbon monoxide has a higher affinity uh, for fetal hemoglobin can lead to fetal morbidity even at lower carbon monoxide levels. All right, let's talk about cyanide and then wrap this up. So the treatment for cyanide poisoning is not oxygen. Um, yes, you give these patients oxygen to try to hope, hope that they <laughs> don't even give them oxygen. Just restrict it completely. That was just funny. It's not oxygen, FYI. <laughs> so you are giving them oxygen just because they could have carbon monoxide. But the only treatment for cyanide are some of these uh, chemical drugs here. So the three major antidotes in cyanide poisoning, number one is sodium nitrite, which we don't give anymore. So don't give it. <laughs> yes. Why? Um, it causes severe hypotension, and it can cause met hemoglobinemia. Remember that from med school? Which is just hilarious when you think about it. I mean, that just... <laughs> It's like, oh, we're going to give you an antidote. Oh, uh, by the way, we're going to have to work on something else, too. <laughs> Think about the worst patients you could give this in, which is someone with carbon monoxide co-commitment poisoning. Oh. So oh with carbon goodness. monoxide, you already have carboxyhemoglobin and methemoglobinemia. So you're just adding fuel to the fire, no pun intended, exactly. to this issue. So sodium nitrite, don't give it anymore. It's the wrong answer on tests, unless that's the only antidote they're showing you. Yeah, but we don't expect they'll do that. It's been years, and yeah, been they years. won't be asking. We've moved that. past this. We've moved past yeah. this. Um, sodium thiosulfate has been the correct answer probably for several years now. Right. Um, it's a slower onset of action compared to the one we're about to mention, B12. Uh, but it is it is an okay answer if you don't see hydroxycobalamin, which is the correct answer, the preferred kit, a.k.a. Sino kit. Basically, someone got really smart quite a number of years ago and said, hey, uh, B12 works for cyanide poisoning. Uh, it's available over the counter, so I'm just going to make an IV form of it and uh, <laughs> charge about $10,000 for it. <laughs> ah, so that's what they did. So, And it's great. So hydroxycobalamin, uh, B12, IV B12, literally, is IV only. It's fast onset. It's very good. It's, it's been, right. There's been no formal studies of this. As you can imagine, it's impossible to study this stuff in large groups. In case reports, though, it's been shown to be very effective. It doesn't cause any interactions with methemoglobinemia, that sort of thing. It's a fast onset compared to thiosulfate. The only issue is, is that it messes with lab studies, like big time. Right. Like, listen to our previous podcast on cyanide poisoning. It was like one of our like first 10 episodes, actually. And you'll hear us go into detail about this, but it, it, it messes with a lot of labs. Okay. The big thing is make sure you draw your labs before you give B12 if you can. So B12 causes pink membrane discoloration, so like red urine, sometimes lip color and all that, mucous membranes. Uh, why is that, Dr. Hussain? There's an easy way to remember this. Mainly because, remember, animal-based proteins have a lot of it. That's right. That's why vegans get B12 deficiency. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I think we actually hit maybe six to eight questions that you might see on your boards here uh, because we talked about carbon monoxide and cyanide. We also gave great life advice. I think so, too. We were trying to, you know, promote uh, folks to buy some products made in the U.S. during the holiday season. That's right. Like That's right. We also uh, encourage you not to assume people celebrate Christmas. <laughs> All right, let's take it out. That's another board bomb delivered, um, holiday board bomb here. Remember to sign up 
QR jingles on our website, ianborbombs.com, for future episodes, new content, and updates. Again, that is ianborbombs.com. It's totally free to sign up at no cost to you. i got to hurry and take us out here because Iltafat's going to be the Santa at the local mall. Um, The the benefit is knowing when new episodes are up and bonus content such as extra episodes are only available to those who sign up. We released a special Valproate overdose handout a couple weeks ago. Uh, If you were not subscribed, you did not get that. If you now subscribe and you want it, shoot us an email. Shoot us a tweet. We're happy to send it. Find us on Twitter. Our handle is at emboardbombs. We're also on Instagram at emboardbombs there. We have over 1,000 followers now. And we have over 5,000 subscribers to this podcast. Pretty sweet. What are people doing with their lives that they listen to us? Nobody cares about us, Blake. They just want to do well on the boards and save lives. As you told me one time, when I didn't get an episode out on time, you said, you're replaceable. (laughs) I never said such a thing to you. Hey, as as we enter the new year here, uh, we appreciate all our subscribers. We do. Thank you so much. Seriously. Dr. Hussein, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, too. All right. Have a good holidays, everyone, whatever you're celebrating. Merry Christmas. See ya. Merry Christmas. Bye.